Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Guys, the real guys talk real sports. RSG Renegade Video. I am your host, Marcus, the game changer, and we are in the house tonight. Before we get into the proceedings this evening, allow me to say you could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with us, and we appreciate your patronage. Oh man, it's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without some dope sports radio to step to. I got the other two thirds of the illustrious three-man booth in the house. So before we get into the proceedings, even let me introduce my co uh, my, my cohorts, my my compadres, uh, my brothers. Uh, to my right, I got my man, one hundred grand. D wheels holler at the people. Man, I feel it's gonna feel it good tonight. I'm just gonna say this: I don't have swag. I got moxie. 
tonight. <laughs> Y'all don't know right. about that one. That's All right. For you hip-hop heads. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm from. I'm from that era of Moxie. That's a, that's a Johnny football reference. Right, right, right. <laughs> On my left. On my left, my man is feeling no stress. I got my homeboy. Phil T Sports PAZ. What's happening, Captain? I'm doing good tonight. I'm feeling like a young uh, Malik from the movie The Program, Omar Epps' character, when he got off the bus and he saw Holly Berry. He just gave her that look. (laughs) (laughs) Just gave her that look like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. A little R&B cut, a little R&B haircut, the little uh, with the little part in it, and, and you know, licking your lips a lot like you're a young LL. I feel you. I, I, I got the picture in my head. That's right. That's right. Well, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, brought to you by Resistance Digital. We have a slamming show for you tonight. We're going to rock out with you for the next 90 minutes, giving you nothing but pure sports radio funk. Uh, we got a slamming show this portion of the show is called the intro to let you know where we give you a quick rundown of all the things we have in store for you tonight. You know, somebody had an R&B song that, that had that in it. I'm not going to say it because I can't sing, <laughs> but it was, I think it was Joe. Yeah, it was that. Remember, remember Joe? Most people remember him from the uh, Big Pun joint. Don't want to be a player no more. He had, oh, yeah. he had a song called All the Things. Yeah. It was a slow jam. It was one of those real, real slow jams, one of those, you know, quiet storm, you know what I'm saying, slow jam. We were talking about D. Wills had on his uh, Midnight Love, Midnight Midnight Train voice. Uh, That's right. <laughs> he got the new headset from, uh, from uh, Resistance Digital, so he's, got, he's coming through crystal clear tonight. Folks. Right, he got his levels right. Got his levels right. Don't bump into the turntable, okay? That's what I'm saying. For all you you folks from Southeastern Michigan, I feel like Mojo tonight, electrifying, electrifying Mojo. Oh, yeah, they all clapping right now, the Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into it, man. They wonder why we spent so much time on the intro, so we just go ahead and run this down real quick. First off, we got the funky editorial. We're going to talk March Madness. We are in the throes of it, man. Uh, the conference tournaments are going on this week. It's championship week, and then we're going to finish off the week with Selection Sunday. we got a few questions for the RSG crew to answer about March Madness, all right, talking about big-time players, Doug McDermott, guys who we historically have felt like have carried their team. And just the things that we miss from the old March Madness, you know, you see some timeless things that, that really endeared us the March Madness, we're going to talk about stuff like that. We're also going to hit you off with some additional college basketball talk. But we're going to talk, we'll give you some, uh, some sleeper picks, teams outside the top ten who we think can make the Final Four, and then which uh, potential top eight teams, you know, those, all the, the, the one seeds and the two seeds will not make it out of the first weekend because you know it's going to be one. Every year, it's that one. It's that one. That messes up your bracket. So we're going to get you ready so that you don't pick that squad that is going to mess up your bracket. All right? After that, we're going to get into some NBA talk. We're going to talk NFL free agency. We, we, we got it all in there. It's like a big pot of gumbo. All right? It's, it's like a big pot of nice gumbo, and we're going to stir it up. 
and we're going to get into it as much as we can, but we're going to put all the ingredients in that pot, and whatever comes out comes out, man. But it's going to taste good in the end because the real sports guys are in front of the stove. All right, so we're going to cook it up for you. We got, we got, we, we're going to hold you down for the next 90 minutes or so. So let's just jump right into it, fellas. You know, there's only one thing we need to say. Fellas, only <laughs> one right, thing we bro. need to say. Can we say it, y'all? Melvin, right. Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. Yes, yes, yes. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> we gonna keep it blazing though. When you listen to the real sports guys, you're in the midst of the the one and only. Actually, all right, you ain't gonna get this nowhere else. The one and only funky editorial. All right, this is where we break down and editorialize a particular topic that is of interest to all of us, and we all have some some pretty strong opinions on. Now, this time around, we're talking about. Doug McDermott, March Madness, and guys who have carried their teams throughout the tournament. Uh, Right now, you know, Doug McDermott is one of those guys. He's a guy who, the real sports guys know a lot about sports. We do. This is what we do. We take pride in that. I don't think not one of us can name another player on Creighton's roster. I'll wait. <laughs> Don't all go at once. <laughs> right, you can keep waiting. Let, let the silence continue. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Right. Don't all go at once. You know. Don't all speak at once. Um, so, but we do know Doug McDermott, and Doug McDermott is is running amok and has run amok in college basketball for the last three years. Um, has really put in work. Uh, I think he just scored his three thousand points. Um, this is a guy that's going to do damage in the tournament. Whether you care about him or not, he's going to put up numbers because that's just what he does. And nothing you do defensively is going to be anything he hasn't seen already this season. So I don't expect it to change very much once he gets into the tournament and people are throwing the kitchen sink at him because people have been throwing the kitchen sink at him for pretty much the last two years, and he's responded um, with exemplary remarks. Um, so... Thinking about a guy like WD, Dougie McD, uh, who else, when you guys are, are reminiscing and thinking about the tournament, who does he put you in the mind frame of as far as guys who have stepped in and oh, carry, yeah. been able to oh, carry yeah. a squad of, of players who probably wouldn't be in the tournament without this dude? Who you got, right. you will? Now, this one's good because I lived this one. Um, I knew this person. Um, I was there when the moment started. Maybe when the moment started. Maybe the night. This is this is this this is late eighties. Glenn Robinson. Glenn Rob. Now Glenn Glenn Rice. (laughs) No, Glenn Rice would be the one that I would go with Uh, because you got to understand the circumstances. They got blown out at home. Their last regular season, they lost to Illinois. Kendall Gill came in. I was there. My guy played for Illinois. And they just blew Michigan off the court. At the same time, their coach announced that he was going to coach somewhere else. And then Bo said, we're going to have a Michigan man coach a Michigan team. And then he went on to score a record. This is a record, y'all. It still stands. That's how crazy the record is for him. 
He scored 184 points in the tournament. He had 75 made field goals, which is still a record. And he had the, uh, he had uh, he was third most field goals field goal attempt to Elvin Hayes and uh, Jim McDaniel's and Bill Bradley, folks you probably had never seen. He he his record still holds. But if you remember that performance, it was like anytime he had light, it was good. To me, that was the most electrified performance I've seen in a long time. And when you consider the circumstances, a new coach coaching you, um, and and coming out of nowhere, that was a great that was a great tournament. Yeah, Green was a sharpshooter for you, young guys. He was Ray Allen before Ray Allen, just lethal, mm. six foot six, six foot seven, just unbelievable sharpshooter, just. Amazing. He could put it on the floor. You know, he could do a ton of different things on the court. He was a multidimensional player. Um, just excellent, excellent, excellent shooter. One of the greatest shooters in the history of basketball, period, NBA, college. You talk about great shooters, Glenn Rice's name better come up. Or you need to check everybody you're talking about shooting with. All right? Yeah. So good pick, he will. Good pick. Bravo. Bravo. And I want to say this. Let me say one more thing with this. Did you know, now you remember the Olympic team had a disappointing experience. You know they cut Glenn Rice from the team. They couldn't score a point. That was, a, that, uh, that, was, that was coached by John Thompson. Remember that? That was that team that actually created the 1992 Olympic team. They cut oh, Glenn Rice. Oh, yeah, the team with Alonzo Mourning. And, oh, I remember that team. I remember that. That was I like the 1988. Yeah, they had him playing five and six. So he was highly motivated as a senior. They, they, they. He got cut, but they had him guarding like David Robinson in a, in a tournament. You got the best, one of the best shooters in, in uh, around guarding a center, and you cut and you have no scores. That's what create. That's what created the dream team. Because you remember the '92, they came with the pros. I'll leave that. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember the 88, David Robinson, Mitch Richmond, Dan Marley. I remember that team, yeah. Wow. So, excellent, excellent pick. Way to take us – way to give us a little lesson. See, D. Wills will do that, all right? He's, right. He, he'll drop heavy knowledge on you like KRS. You know, his verse is always going to be loaded with some factual – you know, he's going to talk about – you know, Kimmich, and he's going to hit you with some, um, you know, Asiatic black man type knowledge. You know, he's just going to drop it on you. Like, you're going to feel mad cultured, and, you know, you're going to be rolling up on people, you know, just talking about, you know, just all kinds of off-the-wall stuff. You know, the pyramids was, you know, we're talking about the pyramids and, and the formation of the pyramids and how that relates to, you know, Staten Island and the Wu-Tang and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, when D-Wells started the conversation saying, I live this one, I said, okay, you about to dig deep into the crate. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. He pulled that one out the back of the crate. Right. But it was right a good one. Blow the dust off at the top. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it was a good one. It was a good mm. one. Um, PAD, who you got? Well, I'm going to have to replay and repeat what I said last year because apparently I was a year late. Last year I warned all the RSG faithful that Doug McDermott was going to have a run in the in the tournament 
like another talented guy from a mid-major. Wally Serbiak. Wow. Mm. Wally, Wally Serbiak. Yeah. The 1999 tournament, he showed out. Now, during the regular season, this guy averaged 24 points a game, was the MVP of the MAC conference. And, again, this is 15 years ago. This is when the MAC was – Clearly a mid-major. I guess the max still is. But, I mean, this was mid-major. <laughs> and this cat led his team, and they were a 10 seed, and he scored 43 points in the first round when they beat 7 seed Washington. Then the second game of the opening weekend, he dropped 24-25 against Utah, who was a 2 seed, beat them, leading them to the Sweet 16. Um, man, Wally Zerbiak was a beast. And mm. I think about him and Danny Manning, guys that just just led their team in the tournament, and it was very clear that their team had no shot to win if these guys didn't play out of their minds. Yeah, very I, good, very good. I agree with that. Wally was right something there. else, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Again, Ooh. another great shooter. Another great shooter. You know, he was one of those guys that he had a nice little run in the league. He's actually what was what was I watching? I think he's uh, doing a, uh, um, I think he's on a, like a a, a post game show on Fox Sports, the Fox Sports Channel. Um, I think I, I saw Wally recently on TV. Um, yeah. And you always just that that's gonna register in your mind when you see Wally Serbiak on TV for any reason because you're like, why well, Wally Serbiak on TV? <laughs> <laughs> I know he ain't in the league no more, so why is he on TV? You know, you know he had a real nice run with the with the Timberwolves for about ten years. I mean, he spent a lot of those yep. ten years with Kevin Garnett, man. Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're correct. So I'll give you guys my pick. Um, mine is uh, a little bit more recent. I think we we went in a good order too, kind of a natural progression. You know, D. Wills had the the long view. You know. PhD brought us up to speed a little bit. Now I'm going to give you a real fresh one. Um, and that is uh, Steph Curry, 2008. Mm. David. Oh. <laughs> Baby face young man comes in with just a major rep for putting up points, averaging 25 a game during the regular season. But everybody wanted to know, he's all right, but is he real? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Everybody wants to know, is this cat for real? And he showed out in the tournament. First game dropped 40. All right. First game, went up against Gonzaga, two mid-majors. Davidson versus Gonzaga, dropped 40, went 8 for 10 from three-point range. Killed him. Next game, second round, he goes up against my Georgetown Hoyers. Puts it on him. Puts it on him. Scored 25 points in the second half alone. <laughs> for the win. Yeah. For the win. All right. So then... He 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 hits, he hits me, and again, I was there for this one, right? Yeah. So front row seat. March twenty eighth, two thousand eight, in in the in the uh, in, in, at Ford Field, Sweet Sixteen, Davidson takes on the third seed University of Wisconsin, and my little brother is guarding Steph Curry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he got hey, wrong. Hey. And at this point, you know, I said my little brother, Michael Flowers, was one of the best defensive players in the country, all right? This is what he does. And Steph dropped him for 33. (laughs) (laughs) And and recently, 
Recently, my younger brother got a he got he got a call and then got a check in the mail because in one of uh, Steph Curry's commercials, they had his like arm in the commercial, and so they had to pay him fifteen hundred dollars for having his arm in the commercial. <laughs> <First> he had <laughs> to ask if he could have it in the commercial. Then he got a check in the mail for fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> they showed some highlights from that particular game. It's funny how it all works out, right? So Steph Curry is my guy. Uh, just an unbelievable run. Um, he he tied the uh, he tied the the, the single uh, season record for most three pointers made in that season. Um, he set the record in the next game. They went on to uh, face the uh, the uh, Kansas Jayhawks, and he hit his 159th three pointer in that particular season. Again, if anybody could name another player off that Davidson team that you are not related to, um, right. we'll hook you up with something. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're not related to him and you can name another cat on that team, you know your stuff. Um, so mm-hmm. Steph Curry is, is, my, is my guy who, again, another guy from a mid-major who just lit the tournament up. Um, just ridiculous, uh, very talented, and he's continuing to do it as a pro. Um, kids got game. He's the real deal. So that that's 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 my guy. Now we had a nice progression. There's a little bit of time traveling right there. We took you back and then brought you forward. We're gonna take you back again and talk about you know things that we miss from the old, from from old tournaments. You know things that we miss. Uh, I want PAD to start this one off. What's something that you that's not that that you look forward to, but that just doesn't happen as much anymore in the tournament? <laughs> I miss knowing the players. <laughs> I do. Yeah, that's a very I, valid yeah. point. I mean, that's big. <laughs> I miss knowing the players. I mean, there was a point of time where, for all the major conferences, I knew at least three or four players on their team. You know, and and then watching the games, I would recognize other players by their games. Um, man, at this point, I'd be hard pressed to name fifteen players that will be in the tournament. I'd be hard pressed, and most of them would be from Michigan State, Michigan, uh, probably eh, probably Michigan State, Michigan, because those are the two teams I watch the most. Yeah, you know, and I can, I can, I definitely relate to that, man. You know, as a kid, as a, as a young preteen teenager, yeah. every year at the start of the basketball season, start of college hoops, any NBA season, I would go and get my Athlon or my Street and Smith, and all my hoop heads know know what I'm talking about. Yeah, talking about no the doubt. Street Smith and the Athlon, the the yearbooks. That's you know right. I mean? And you get those, and you go through, especially with the college Smith. I would get that. And I would go through team by team, read each team's profile, and then in the back, and now I'm going deep. I'm going deep for all my heads out there. In the back, <laughs> they had the CBS broadcast mm-hmm. schedule, right? So I would mark off. That's right. You know, I want to. I want to. I want to watch Georgetown versus UConn. I want to see AI go against Ray Allen and them. You know what I'm saying? So you marking off all these marquee games, and that was my thing on the weekend. I couldn't wait for Sunday morning just so I could run down and watch the games. You know what I mean? And you're right. What attracted me to that is knowing all the players. Like, I would look at the top mm-hmm. freshmen in the country, you know, see what teams they was on, make sure I got to look at Felipe Lopez. You know, he was hyped up. Let me see what he going to do. You know what I mean? Right. Where he played Georgetown. You know what I'm saying? Kerry Kittles is on Villanova. You know what I mean? 
so you got all these marquee matchups, and you yeah, you got them all laid out. And I just don't, I don't, I don't have, I don't have the urge to do that no more because these guys, I don't know. <laughs> You're right, I don't yeah. know. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I and you know, <laughs> me and D Wills have been going back and forth on Twitter. Um, me, him, and Justin Page. Shout out to Justin, our RSD NBA expert. We've been going back and forth on Twitter about this draft class, and everybody's saying it's awesome. And I just, yep. I haven't seen that yet. You know what I'm saying? And the thing, it, it, it's hard for me to get excited about this draft class because I don't know these. I like, I don't know these dudes, and I haven't seen them play, and and I haven't seen them play enough. And in the games I've seen them play, they've underwhelmed me. You know, they haven't they haven't shown me what everybody else has seen. So I feel you, man. It's it, it's tough when you don't have those names of guys to, yeah. to really go out and follow anymore, man. I think you know, I, 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 I need that. When when Chris Weber would pick up two early fouls, I knew exactly who was coming in for him, Eric Riley. Right. You know right. when yeah. when Larry Johnson for UNLV or Todd Day for Arkansas or Lee Mayberry for Arkansas when they picked up a foul, you know you knew exactly who was coming in for them. And that's just lost Corey now, Beck. man. That, that's right. That's right. I mean, it's lost. Yeah. And you hit yeah, some really interesting things, Phil. Because, I mean, the one, the one thing when we named our, 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 our players, I mean, what Marcus kept saying is, like, who played with them? You know, and, and you know, I didn't watch this for the stars, but I want to watch Moses Scurry. Right, you know, who knows about Curry? But I—that's what I like watching because I was Ragged able to get to know the team. And so I was on the court talking about Moses Curry, you know, yelling ah with no team. Right, that's the oh. kind of cat that you like. You don't get to know that cat now, nope. Because you can't build that right, relationship. You, know, you can't trust it. It's like you—you yeah, don't, you don't want to date you know. them because they're gonna leave you. They're gonna leave you. Exactly. You know, I, I, it's, the, it's the reason I used to run around the house, slap my little brothers upside the head, and go "Booba Car Owl." Booba Car Owl. You know what I mean? Nobody knows. Nobody knows who Booba Car Owl is. He was a starting small forward on AI's Georgetown team. You know what I'm saying? But that's 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 the kind of stuff that you look forward to, man. That, that you know. Jerome Williams, the, the junkyard dog, you know, those guys. Yes. You know what I mean? You, you miss that. Larry, Larry Meshaw. Larry Meshaw. Yeah. I mean, these guys, yeah. like, yeah, you got to teams. The stars got you to know everybody else, right? The stars yeah. allowed you to know it. You start out by getting to know Larry Johnson, and through Larry Johnson, you get to know all these other players. You're like, oh, who is this? Because you watched him. Larry was my guy. <laughs> I thought Anderson Hunt was the greatest player in the world. <laughs> oh, I thought he was better than Larry Johnson. Detroit Southwestern. He's a 12-year-old me. He's a 12-year-old me. You know what I'm saying? I just thought Anderson Hunt had a cool name. Anderson Hunt. He got two last names. <laughs> right. He can shoot it. <laughs> exactly. He shoots the three, you know. Yeah, man. Those were the days. Anderson Hunt. So, 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 so that was, that's a good one. That's a good that, that gives us great perspective right there, PhD. D. Wills, you got, do you have one? Where you know it's something that you, you just miss from the from the tournament from back in the day. Uh, for me, I miss the characters. You know, uh, I miss the coaching characters. Um, you know, I was just thinking about you know I was going through and looking at some of the conferences and how they used to look and just some of the you know Raleigh Massimino and 
Louis Kansakai, and you just think about these coaches and the characters and uh, the stories. It, 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 it doesn't feel like we get the stories as much, and we can, we can follow them on the season, and we're, we're looking to see how it ends in the tournament. It doesn't seem like we invest that much in it like we used to around the stories that may, you know, the one shiny moment really mean something. You know, like, and I'll think about, when I was thinking about the uh, Rice thing, I was thinking about Andrew Gaze. Like, think about that Seton Hall team and Andrew Gaze. It's was you know, New Zealand, Australian, or whatever. I mean, the storyline is what I miss, and I don't think we get as much of it now that sometimes they're created a little bit here, but it's like we almost got the storylines, and we were waiting to see how those stories were going to play off. It was almost like we had a secret, like we knew somebody nobody else knew. Like, it was like, there's this player at Pepperdine, like, because you've been watching it, right? You've been watching, you're like, I'm a, and that's what I'm going to win my tournament on, because you were so much more invested prior to the tournament, and now I think the investment is the tournament, rather than this kind of investment leading up to the tournament, where right. you felt like the knowledgeable guy who could talk about somebody that nobody else knew, because you were up late at night watching, you know, the Big West Conference Tournament, you know, and right, you picked up right. on somebody. It, it's like you don't have that kind of investment anymore that I think is very important. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I, I dig that because that, you're right. The characters, the stories, the tournament is still one of the – second to the Super Bowl, to me, it's the biggest sporting event of the year. Next, right, next to, right after the Super Bowl, it is the biggest – the first weekend is just – that's that's the that's the thing, all right. That's it right there, all right. It don't get no better than that. If you're a basketball fan of any of any shape or form, that's that's it. That's it. <laughs> you know, you be at, you be at work. Folks be at work, man. Like Pookie at at the Carter, you know, maybe doing dumping jacks and one and two. That's like damn. Yeah, this is game time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Got me all around, around on this track, man. What's up? <laughs> That's how you feel. Got computers, phones, iPads going. Yeah. You know, iPad, laptop on. You know what I'm saying? You got a couple games on. You know, doing your own simulcast in your office. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, 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 that's what it is, man. The thing that I the thing that I miss the most is knowing who's in what conference. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> where did you come from? <laughs> and it's not even the mid majors. I know who the mid majors are and what conference they come from. It's the big schools now. I don't know who's where anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Did the Big East team just win? What is the Big East so far? You know, oh, they're not in the Big East no more? What are they in? The American Athletic Conference, what is that? Is that a spinoff of Conference USA? I mean, huh? Oh, man, Big Ten? What? You know, all of those kind of things, man. Like, just not having a clue about who's where because all this shuffling. And for me, that to me, that's the most aesthetically um, – unnerving thing about college sports right now is that people just are playing people that they don't got no business playing. You know, like, you're not in the Midwest. You don't need to be in the Big Ten. You're not actually East. Why are you in the Big East? <laughs> it's the yeah. East. I mean, are you even in the eastern part of your own state? <laughs> you know what I mean? Help me out here, fellas. 
<laughs> What's the affiliation? I'm, I am still playing. So because of the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit and some other licensing stuff, which I do support 100%, there has not been a college basketball video game since 2008. Well, that's not true. 2K Sports stopped in 08. The EA stopped with March Madness in 09. So anyway, I'm still playing 2K8, you know, at least five, ten times a year. And <laughs> this is 2008, man. When I log on, I try to adjust the conferences <laughs> based on 2014. <laughs> man, this is like right. a three-hour process. This is... <laughs> I gotta have the internet on. I gotta have two different monitors on. You know, and I finally got it. Oh, I'm like, UConn is in the ACC. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. I am with you on that. And see, what I do playing, you know, the college foot, the NCAA football for my uh, PlayStation Three, which I'll crack open every so often. The first thing I do is I go in and I put it all back the way I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I do the exact opposite. You know what? No, you don't get to be in the Big Ten, Maryland, and Rutgers. Y'all are going back <laughs> to your conferences. Hey, Syracuse just back in the Big East. Live with it. <laughs> Missouri, he's 12. That's right. You know right. Like the Big Eight. Seriously, seriously. Yeah, man, that's that's the thing that yeah, drives I, I me bonkers. This this whole conference realignment. Go ahead, Dee. I mean, we, I know we were. I was going back and even looking at you know some of the old conference setups, and you know, I mean, you you, you think about the Missouri Valley Conference when it had Tulsa coaches like Tubby Smith, and I mean, even like it's good that we're talking about Wichita State now, but you know they had Xavier McDaniel's and. Uh, was it Anton Carr or, you know, uh, uh, they had all kinds of players, and these guys were making noise. I mean, you hated to have Tulsa draw a team when they had those coaches going. You know they're going to do it's going to be upset in that first weekend. And it's just like th- that kind of competition that came out where you had these conferences that had great coaches, great players coming out of them. It's, it's hard to find that kind of competitive kind of juice coming out. A lot of it's a, the product that, you know, these big schools have very young teams, and then these more mid-majors or other teams have very, they have very advanced age teams. And so the competition is really along the age difference and the maturity difference. These young players who are talented make a lot of mistakes, and then these, these, these teams with more, you know, older players, they can play through things. So, I mean, that kind of balances things out, but you, there's something you lose. I mean, I remember when you had – some of these big-time Big East or Big Ten or, or Pac-10 teams, and then they face, like Arizona back in the day, would face a Tulsa, and they were all juniors, and Tulsa won. That was a big – that was a victory when, when you took out an Arizona team. I, just, I, I used to hate taking Arizona because they always would upset your stomach. You know, but they had these <laughs> big names, and then they lose to somebody like that. They, 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 but there was juniors losing to juniors. You know, so it was like – that was a big upset, right? Um, and so you miss a lot of that right now, and that you know, and and because those teams grinded in those in the Missouri Valley, they 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 got in A10, they they got hot in old um, Mac, you know, where you know Eastern Michigan was a juggernaut, and they got out of there. Oh, yeah. And Grant Long, I mean, you had these teams 
that would that would 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 take your best punch and because they were talented, they were saying it wasn't that you just were older and you were a talented young team like Kentucky and we knew you were one and done. It wasn't that kind of dynamic playing out. So victory right. meant more sometimes I think. And the other piece about that is that the recruiting game was wasn't as advanced. Like nowadays if you can if you can walk and chew gum, you know, you see you right you could be you could be in the hills of Romania. They gonna find you. <laughs> I got this Romanian. I got this Romanian man. You know what I mean? They gonna hit you. They gonna hit you up like a cat on the street trying to tell you all Romanian. I got this Romanian. I got this Romanian dog. He's seventeen. You know, he's seven five wingspan. He's six eleven. Come on, what you want? <laughs> Not interested. I got an Australian. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how they hit you up. So back then, you could find a cut strong. <laughs> You know, some of the country kids back then went under the radar because they wasn't from the city. They wasn't from the yeah. they wasn't from the hotbeds, the New York, the Detroit, the Chicago's, the Los Angeles's. You know, so some of these you know, Grant Long, you know, uh, Xavier McDaniel, these are some country cats. He, anybody named Xavier is gonna be a little bit country. <laughs> <laughs> these are some country cats. And so the recruiting game wasn't what it was. And so you had some guys who just wanted to stay close to home. You know, they were talented. And so as they matured and developed, then you had that, where you could have, you know, these guys who were small-town kids who went to, the, went to a mid-major, but they could compete with the big boys because the recruiting game wasn't what it is now. Now it's, it's switched up a little bit because all of the big schools got babies, and the men are playing in the, the mid-major conferences because they stand in school the whole They stand in school for the full four. So it, 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 mm-hmm. there is that balance. It is that balance now, so it, it, it's gonna be. It's, it's always gonna be an interesting tournament, and that's the beauty of the tournament. No matter how you slice it, this, it chaos will ensue that first Thursday. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I mean, get the rag gear out, get the tear gas. It's gonna be bedlam, all right. It's gonna be proverbial bedlam all over your bracket, and it's gonna be a beautiful thing, and you're gonna enjoy it. Like you're gonna enjoy losing. Like, that's the one thing about it is that your bracket can get smashed and you can be the happiest cat in the world. Because <laughs> it's just all so entertaining. So, you know, those are, uh, those are some of our thoughts on the tournament. That's the, that's, that, that'll do it for this edition of the Funky Editorial. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We want to continue with our conversation on college basketball. Uh, but first, we're going to hit you off with a quick uh, resistance digital commercial. So hang on for a second, all right? And we'll drop a little something like this. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell you technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the real sports guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. Yes, sir. If you listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio, back in the house, talking college basketball with the Real Sports Guys. Uh, fellas, now, 
we kind of talked about what we missed about the tournament. Let's get a laser point focus on this year's tournament. All right? Speaking about the 2014 tournament, which team currently outside the top ten do you believe will make the final four or have the best chance of making the final four? I will start with you, uh, D. Wills. Um, and I thought hard about this. There's some good teams outside uh, the top ten that are beginning to make noise. I mean, we just talked about uh, Creighton. I think they're ranked just outside the top ten. Um, the team that I'm, I'm surprised about, and I usually don't buy into this coach, um, but um, this is the kind of year he actually might coach well through the tournament, uh, is Carolina. Um, I believe they're like 12-1. and one. They just lost to Duke at Duke. But early on, you know, they struggled early on in the um, ACC season. But I like the way they're beginning to come together here down the stretch. Um, if they can have a pretty good tournament run in the ACC, maybe get to the championship, I think that'll, that'll uh, show some things. But I, I think they're coming on late under the, uh, under the radar, and they might have a seeding depending on where they end up that might be favorable for them. Um, and I, so I think they, you know, you know, with, you know, uh, McAdoo and the, and the guys kind of coming together, I think that, that that's a team that could make some noise late in because they got some size, uh, the guard play, they're beginning to knock those jumpers down uh, from the outside a little bit, they're beginning to play a little bit better here down the stretch. Um, and, and even the game at Duke, I thought they competed well where I thought they weren't competing well at the beginning of the season. They weren't shooting that well for the perimeter. I think they added like seven to eight percentage points to their three-point shooting. Um, and so down there, I think you space the floor a little bit. Um, I, I'm normally not a big fan, and you all know this, of Roy Williams. It's kind of like Denver running back to fantasy football, you know, uh, <laughs> on the Shanahan. You know, there's some things you just stay away from. Um, but I, I, think they, I, think they, uh, I think they have it. Um, the other team I would say is maybe Iowa State, um, uh, uh, even Oklahoma State, because I think with, with Smart being hurt, I've watched them recently. Um, I like the way they play defense. I like the way they get at people. And, you know, out of the young kids, I love the way Smart, if you watch him, he gets across the stat line. Um, he's not a guy that just, if he's not scoring well, he's doing something else. He's getting assists, rebounds. Um, he's taking on more of a leadership role about to helping them command on defense. Uh, so those are some teams, but I think Carolina might be the one that just might have a swag enough to make a run uh, to get there. Okay. I'm with you on Iowa State. I had them on my list. Um, you know, that, that, that crew is just it, – they, they're a matchup. They have matchup problems all over the court with Iowa State, with Melvin Edgem, DeAndre Kane, who's, who's a big guard who can handle the ball, does a little bit of everything on the court. Edgem had a ridiculous game this season. I think he went for like 45 and 20-something rebounds. Um, and then you got Georgia's Yang, who is their big man who can shoot the three, um, plays kind of an inside-outside kind of a game. So they have an interesting mix. And they're quirky. They've got a quirky group of guys, a quirky combination of cats, and that always matchups are everything. So I, Iowa State's a team that I, I had on my list. Uh, PhD, who are, some, who are some teams on your list? Michigan State. And, and yeah. I've been on this Michigan State. State thing for the last couple of seasons, but you know I, this is true. I feel like it's, this is true. You're consistent, which is you know I feel like I'm less of a homer this time. And <laughs> man, Michigan State, Michigan State went 19 and two with Dawson in the lineup. He's been he's been out for a few weeks. This past weekend, they beat a really good Iowa team. 
Um, and it was the first game that Appling had been back. Adrian Payne is back. Dawson's back. Valentine looked good. This kid, Trice, who who got a lot of valuable minutes when Appling was out, the backup point guard, he's shooting the ball well. It, I just think Michigan State has the depth. They have the experience. You know, most of those guys I just mentioned are upperclassmen. And I think that they can make a – a really, really good run um, to the Final Four. Right now they're ranked barely in the top 25. Um, they're ranked, I don't know, 21, 22 in most of the polls. Very good pick. Um, and, and the one key element, I think, in all of that is um, Izzo knows how to get it done. Um, he knows how to get his guys ready. He knows how to deal with uh, the kind of uh, unpredictable unpredictability of the tournament, um, how to make his team unpredictable. Um, the one thing you don't want to be in, you know, as a young coach myself, I'm learning, when you get to tourney season, it's predictable. You don't want the other team to know what you're going to do going in, and I think that's something that, as a coach, Izzo has proven that he can do, and you're right. I think Adrian Payne is a uh, matchup nightmare, and Adrian Payne is going to be a good pro. He's going to be a very good, he's going to be Draymond Green-esque good pro, where he's going to get on the team, and right away, He's going to play some solid role, and he's going to play some solid minutes as a rookie, and you're going to find him playing a big role on a very good team for his first contract. I, I, I put money on it. Adrian Payne's a baller. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like that pick as well. The team I looked at um, was the St. Louis Billikens. Um, St. Louis mm. is a veteran squad. Um, you know, they, they've been in the top ten this year. They've hovered in the teens for most of the season, but they have a veteran roster, and they get out and they get after you. They play tough defense. They don't take nothing from nobody. They just have that hard-nosed mid-major mentality that we've seen a George Mason, a VCU, a Butler have, and then they have guys who aren't afraid of the moment. They've been to the tournament before. They made a decent run last year. I expect them to do it again. Um, And that's the team that I can see sneaking up on people and – ruining a couple of brackets. So St. Louis is a team out of the A-10 that I will watch out for. You know, the players aren't household names, but they have depth, and they get after it. They play about eight or nine guys, you know, ten minutes plus a game. So they, they really try and wear you down, and they really bring it with the defensive intensity. So that's a, that's a group that I will watch. And the A-10 is a very good conference right now, and so they're battle tested. Yep. You know, you're talking about going against UMass, VCU, you know, that, that, that conference isn't – and St. Joe's, there's some really good teams in that conference. That conference is probably going to put out about four to five tournament teams. And so they, they've been tested quite a bit. So I think that's a, that's a team I think that's going to be uh, a problem to deal with um, as, as when you're looking at your bracket. So the next question I want to pose to the, to the crew is, PAZ, you can start us off with this one. Out of these eight teams, you know, these are all potential one or two seeds. Who's not going to make it out the first weekend? We got Duke, Arizona, Syracuse, Florida, Wichita State, Virginia, Kansas, and Villanova. Of that eight, who is not going to make it out, Ph.D.? Villanova, Villanova. And as soon as I saw this, it took me 30 seconds to prep for this question. Villanova. (laughs) (laughs) I I have watched Villanova play twice this year, both times against Creighton, 
both times, again, at home and on the road, they lost to Creighton by 20-plus points, maybe one game is even 30. They gave up. And this, this is the thing that concerns me the most with Jay Wright teams. Okay, fine, you can, you can score the ball, but can you stop the other team from doing it as well? They gave up 90-plus points to Creighton. In both games. I understand that perhaps this was an anomaly, but you know what? There's a blueprint out there how to beat Villanova. And every team in the country, every team in the country has this blueprint. And when you give coaches an opportunity to just focus on that one game, you've got your full staff to work on it, um, I can see them losing that second-round game, regardless if they're on the one line, the two line, or even if they drop down to the third line. Oh, okay. I, I you, you make some great points. You make some great points. So we got we got one vote. PhD is putting Villanova. Um, don't have them going too far in your brackets. You heard it here first. RSG Villanova. Watch out. Bracket that they're gonna bust up your bracket. Um, so stay off the Villanova line. All right. D Wills. Who you got? I had two teams, but I I, I I'm I'm actually. Uh, on with the Villanova is Jay Wright. Like, does he get like he gets more love as a potential person that that has more talent that never does anything as any coach in the country? Now we're gonna have Jay on the show. You got your Andy Reid voice on. You got your Andy Reid voice on. I mean, I mean, and maybe it's the, the the big media guys give Jay Wright a lot of love, don't they? Ends up the but he always Cody. ends up on the set after the first weekend. So he 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 loses the first weekend and then he ends up on CBS or somewhere doing the rest of the tournament looking good. And then they all love Jay Wright and his teams go through the same thing. It's, am I wrong? Like he like there's always a coach you know who's going to end up in the booth, right? He's going to be doing the Final Four coverage in the booth, talking about how he wishes his team were there, right? Is Jay Wright not the candidate? He's going to look no, good on is. TV. And so that's that's the guy that that gets me. The, the other thing is, he's another person. So I go back to my old Shanahan rule, I, and I kind of get fooled by him every once in a while. Is <laughs> my good guy from Syracuse, <laughs> you know, old Jimmy Beheim and the crew, and he kind of fooled me a little bit last year because they took such a beat down at Louisville. I, they just quit in the Big East tournament. Um, I just think they've been struggling so much, haven't found their personality. And sometimes Beheim gets into these roles that you just, it just feels like it's one of them one-and-done weekends. I think Syracuse is one that's in – they got so much hype early, and to be let down the way they've been let down, they just kind of falling off the hill. I don't know if they can recover. And if they run into a real tough team that's going to battle them, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're going to uh, fight all the way through it the way they do. But Villanova's my – if I had to choose Villanova, I'm with you, Jay Wright. He's going to have a nice suit, going to be on the set. <laughs> okay, okay. So you guys are going Nova. I'm going, I got, I got kind of two picks. You got, you're throwing Syracuse in there, and that's one of mine. Um, Syracuse is a squad I would watch out for. Um, they can go cold. And when they go cold, hey, with them it's all about matchups. It's not so much about what they do, it's about who they face, in my opinion. And if they get a favorable line, then they may win a couple of games. I still don't see them going very far, though. But they may they may get a favorable line, get some teams that don't shoot the ball. They, in fact, if you look at their four losses, they've shot below 30% from the floor, and the other team that they faced 
and shot over 45 46% from the floor offensively. So what that tells me is that when, when other teams get hot against that zone, they really don't have an answer. And it, it, it seems to put a little bit more pressure on them, and they don't respond um, when, they're, when they're not. They, they don't shoot a high percentage as a team. Um, so if the other team gets hot, they don't really, they're not really a team that can, that can go shot for shot with somebody. Um, and we all know that we just talked about it. There's going to be that hot hand. You know, there's going to be that one player or that one team, that FGCU, that gets hot and is hitting all kinds of crazy shots. And they just, they just captured the guys and they got it. They got the glow, and you can't do nothing about it. And when your defense is a zone, <laughs> and basically with a zone, it basically boils down to I'm hoping you can't shoot. <laughs> That's the basic premise of a zone defense is that, listen, <laughs> I'm not letting you in the lane, and I'm hoping you can't shoot. But what happens when they can shoot? All right, so that that's that's my one, and my number two, of course, is the Duke Blue Devils. Now, the reason the Duke Blue Devils are my two and not my one, they're very susceptible because they don't have a big, but they have the one thing that I think it does take, and they have a guy who can go off in Parker, and he's going to save them. I think there's, there's the potential that he could save them against uh, a lower level team. FGC, you ain't got nothing for Jabari Parker, all right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Some of the Cinderella's that we've had in the past couple of years, they ain't got nobody that can check a Jabari Parker, all right? So yeah. if, if he gets going, he may he may be that get-out-of-jail-free card, um, so to speak. Uh, but those two teams scare me a little bit. Um, they, just, they just got a shaky chin, in my opinion. And, you know, uh, uh, the right cat, the right group, the right matchup, comes along, and they can get knocked out. They can get knocked out pretty easily. So I'm giving you Duke and Syracuse. D. Wills is giving you Syracuse and Villanova, and PAD is giving you Villanova. So you got two Villanovas and two Syracuses for sure. So if, you, if you're rolling with the Renegades, you might want to keep them off your line, and you, you might want to give Duke that side eye. You know what I'm saying? That, I don't know about you. All right? You know, that he's all right, but he's not real. <laughs> you know. So you, you, you might want to check Duke. You might want to check Duke a little bit. Do your research. Um, anybody else that you guys would consider that you want to throw out before we move on? Teams that are bust or teams that, teams that, that are bust. might do some damage? Teams that are bust. Teams that you want to stay away from. I'm going to stay with just Villanova. Ooh. All right. All right. Well, yeah, we're going to keep moving. You listen to the real Villanova. sports guys. <laughs> you listen to the real sports guys, realsportsguys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. Now we're going to transition and talk a little bit of NBA basketball uh, for a couple of minutes. Then we're going to hit you off with some uh, NFL free agency talk. Now, First, I want to get into a couple of things right off the bat. The first thing I want to talk about is Phil Jackson, the Zen master, has been reported to be given complete control of the basketball operations with the New York Knicks basketball organization. Now, Phil Jackson is an amazing coach. Track record speaks for itself. All right? The resume is in cement. It's in stone. There's no debating that. How do you guys see Phil operating as an executive, not only operating as an executive, given all of his health issues, his 
lack of a desire to travel, you know, all of those factors considered. But then also, he's not just taking over, you know, he's not taking over San Antonio Spurs. He's not taking over the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Indiana Pacers or even the L.A. Lakers. He's taking over the tire fire we know as the New York Knicks, all right? Right now, of NBA franchises, the New York Knicks would be the celebrity equivalent of uh, Lindsay Lohan, all right? Two, a couple years ago, right now, it's just a mess, and it just seems to keep getting worse. <laughs> just not looking good anymore, all right? And so now, Phil Jackson has taken over this organization. What are his prospects of being able to turn around the situation, and do you think this is a good move for the Zen Master D. Wills? I want winners. <laughs> If you listen, have y'all listened to the chatter of uh, some of the the coaches, like George Carl, um, you know, when they've talked to other coaches, they they frame Phil as a front runner. Have y'all listened to these interviews? I mean, yeah. they, they, yeah. like, I'm not sure. Phil, they, they, they almost say, like, I'm not sure Phil really want to work that, work that hard. It's like they frame him like he, not, he don't have no grind in him. He, like, he likes to set up for winning. And if you, if you believe that, if you believe that, and I'm, you know. I don't you know, have facts to back this up. <laughs> I don't have facts to back this up. Uh, but but, but it, it doesn't seem like the right setup. It seems like a, 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 a Larry Brown is trying it. Larry Brown is like, I don't know if Phil could be a good exec. You know, and it takes work. Now, now, what's true about it, and I, I love what Avery said. Avery said, Avery said, you know, Avery said, it's, you know, it's really about who he hires as a team. And, 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 one, and one of the things Phil does do, he knows how to organize. You know, Phil is like, almost sometimes I feel like Phil is the coach's version of Ronald Reagan. He knew how to delegate. <laughs> you know, he gets a lot of credit for delegation. I, I, now all the Laker fans go say hate the Bull fans. I'm not hating on it, but the presidency, the that that that, that operate that seems like grind work. That I don't know you do this late in your age. Now he's talking about bringing Steve Kerr on. I just don't think there's nothing about that situation. It's it's like it's like it's like buying a home in a borough that ain't nobody moving into. It just don't feel like people trying to move into the Knicks. It's just like there's nothing there. And in Dolan. You can't control Dolan. And so everybody's tried. And so I just don't know how this is going to turn out, especially if he's trying to do it for Montana or wherever he is. You know, he's trying to figure out how much can he do for Montana. I know Skype. I know, you know, you know Phil is our resident. You know, he, he's worked in the, in the big industry. He's done a lot of that stuff. He's he done all this, this, these fancy things. You can do business from far away. I, you know, I, I Skype and do that. But you don't run the Knicks that way. You know, if, if we saw Jordan try to pull that. We saw Jordan try to pull that. Right. Can we get Drake's? I'm on one. You know, DJ Khaled, I'm on one. D is on one right now. I, I just don't know what wow. to say about this. I'll leave it at that. I just dropped the mic. I'm sorry, y'all. Wow. You said you can't run the Knicks like that. 
Classic, classic, classic. Um, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, man. D.A.D., <laughs> any thoughts on Phil Jackson? Any thoughts on Phil Jackson Mr. and the Knicks? Mr. Speaker, I concede my time to the gentleman from Madison, Wisconsin, and D. Wells. Divine, you can have my time. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, keep going. I'll keep, jump back I'm, in. I'm gonna have to drop one yeah. for him. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, and I know you're coming. It, it's it, it. It would be different if I think he was on coaching team. He must know something. It's like I'm thinking, you know, he knows something. He gonna pull off. It's almost like he gonna pull off on those red all back moves. I just got a feeling. Remember back in the day, it's like how did the Celtics keep getting number one picks? Phil is the only person I know. He must know something. He's going to get a number one pick. He's going to figure out how to get uh, LeBron James to New York. He's going to pull up something that's going to piss somebody off. Because that's the only way I can think that he's taking the job that, that he's been promised something from the NBA. That they're going to move something. <laughs> you know, uh, something's going to happen. I know Dolan has been having these legal – was it Dolan having these legal issues? Maybe he just knows he's going to be gone and out the picture. He's going to be up the river. I don't know what's going on, but I, I just don't – I can't see how that's going to work. I, I will know what's going to happen when I see who his GM is and I see who his assistant GMs are. Once I understand that, then I might not – I might know what's going on. But, but, you know, Phil doesn't have a good coaching tree, right? Let's talk about that. I'm going to leave this. <laughs> And to me, that's a okay. clear aspect around management. Now, PAZ is here. He'll, t- he'll hit me on this whole, you know, we got a legend here. We got a legend over here. But, but that might give me an indication. Think about who, who from Phil Jackson's coaching tree is successful. Mm. And when you talk about coaches who will become GMs, people like Riley, when Popovich was doing it, They've demonstrated ability to build the capacity in others to lead yeah. and do different things. And I haven't seen that out of Phil Jackson. I think that's a very important part of running an organization is that yeah. it's, it's more about what kind of capacity building you're doing to build an organization. And his co- if his coaching tree is any indication, then you should yeah. be concerned. I agree with you, Devon. You bring up a good point. I was listening to Mike and Mike earlier this week, and uh, Greeny brought up a really good point of his theory why Phil Jackson wants to get involved and why he wants to come back. A, he's bored, and B, he's trying to he's trying to one up Pat Riley. He sees he sees what Pat Riley has built in Miami, and he thinks he can build the same thing. Give him time, but the key difference here. Is and again, you hit the nail on the head, man. Look at Pat Riley's coaching tree. You know, it's not Bill Belichick, but it's a lot stronger than Phil Jackson. It's a lot stronger than Phil That's Jackson. Right. I mean, you look, you look at Van Gundy. Um, somebody help me out with some other names. Are there other names? Are there other names? Spolstra, perhaps. Um, yeah, Spolstra. Uh, I'm sure there are other names. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there are. <laughs> right? <laughs> we, we're right. in a moment right now. We're in a moment right but now. 
everybody again, linked everybody linked up these here. are poor names, and this is a higher profile than what Phil has done in terms of developing talent. I mean, does Jim Clemens? I mean, I think the 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 biggest name out of the Phil Jackson coaching tree is Phil is uh, Jimmy Clemens. I believe he was. And what did he last? Eighteen games of the Mavericks. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a question of developing talent, and like you said. Phil has done a good job. I mean, he, you know, the Larry Bird style of, of coaching, you get coordinators. I, I just, right. it's just a challenge to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, to me, it's a challenge to see. It's a challenge for me to imagine Phil Jackson being successful, especially in a situation in which, you know, he, he is starting – he's not even starting from the ground level. I mean, this cat is, like, in the basement right now in terms of the Knicks, yeah. what he has to work yeah. with. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, he's, he's, he's in the so, basement so, for so, sure. So let me give you the Pat Riley coaching tree. We got Stan Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, Byron Scott, Eric Spolstra, Mark Ivoroni, Tom Pivotal, Eddie Jordan, just to start. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's a good tree. That's a good tree. You know, that's solid. That's a good tree. Yeah, that, that's solid. That, that's solid. Now, the thing for me with the whole situation is I'm not even mad Phil is trying to be an executive. I, cool. Do what you do. It's not even about Phil. Like, dog, it's still a Knicks. Like, do, do you understand? This is a Knicks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is dysfunction upon dysfunction. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Right? Bill Gates could come in. Steve Jobs could come back from the from the afterlife. He can't say the Knicks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you you can't say the Knicks. Like you just can't, man. Isaiah tried. Donnie Walls tried. He ran away. It just it's not it's, you can't say the Knicks, man. Not with Dolan in charge. If not Donnie Dolan leaves. Can't do that. That's right. I mean, you had credible people who know what they're doing, and they've ran away from this situation, right? It's just unsalvageable right now until they get out. I mean, this is an organization that gave a guy that everybody knows needs to be on one-year contract. can't do that kind of stuff and expect it to work out, all right? They bought Amari's 87-year-old knees for a hundred-some mil, all right? These are the kind of decisions <laughs> they make, all right? They traded 17 dudes for Carmelo for one guy <laughs> and Chauncey Billups, and they released Chauncey. Yeah. So you trade 17, my, 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 my kindergartner can do this math, 17, Minus two, uh, or, or it's fifteen, right? That, that's that's simple math. So you gave up fifteen guys in the two bags. All right, that's a negative fifteen score. All right, where are you gonna fill out your roster? And so these are the kind of decisions that they traded every draft pick they have from now until twenty seventy four. All right, so they can't draft any, but the, the the people that they're gonna be able to draft, their parents haven't even been born yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, it's the Knicks, man. It's the Knicks. I don't care if it is Phil. 
Oh no, this is this is the kind of situation where my mama goes to one of her go to quotes. I don't know who he think he is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's the Knicks. Yeah, you feel that? I don't know who else you think you is because it's the Knicks. You know what I mean? I don't know who he think he is coming in trying to fix the Knicks. <laughs> it's not gonna work out like that. It's just not gonna work out like that. Like, this is an organization that right now is built to fail. It is designed to fail. Everything about it reeks of failure. And it's just what it is. I don't care if you are a champion. There's certain situations you can't fix. And that's the thing that Phil has been great at. Phil has been great at vetting his opportunities. He only takes opportunities that he knows he can win. You know, he knows he can get it done in these situations. I don't know if Phil knows that in this situation. Um I, just, I don't think he knows that in this situation. I don't know if he's trying to prove something to the Bus family, you know, that, I hate. listen, I can do this in a big market, you know what I mean? I don't know what he's trying to prove, you know, what challenge he's looking for. But there are challenges, and then there is, you know, they're doing yourself in, all right? <laughs> you know, there are challenges, and then there's playing Russian roulette backwards. Whereas one empty chamber and five full ones, all right? <laughs> and that's what Phil is doing right now. He's playing a restaurant roulette backwards. He got five full chambers and one empty one, and he's like, watch this work out. It ain't going to work out, though. It's just not going to work. It's the Knicks. Carmelo's leaving, right? Even if he does stay, you can't bring in any pieces. Nobody wants J.R. Smith. Nobody wants Chubby Ray Felton. Um, nobody wants Tyson Chandler no more. I mean, it ain't nobody else signed up for Amari's knees. You know what I'm saying? The best chip you guys is Mind Shumpert, and he ain't been good in two years. The longer he played, the worse he gets. So what's the, what, what's the out in this situation? What's the golden parachute to get the men back to a place where they can compete? Because, you know, they got all this talk of an of a age limit and all this kind of stuff. By the time the Knicks are drafting, guys are going to have to be in college for two years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? By the time they actually get a pick that's worth anything, guys will have to be in college for two years. So they're going to be missing out on a lot of the hot talent coming in. And by the time they get it, they got to wait. It's, it's, it's going to be a brave move by the Knicks in position to make, make anything happen. And I think Phil is just signing up to uh, – he, 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 I don't know what he's trying to prove. Hey, I don't know what. You that's why I, I think there's a fix in. That's why I think there's a fix in somewhere. Because Phil knows something. Well, maybe Adam, hey, 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 I predicted this a long time ago. All right, I predicted this a long time ago. Adam Silver, the envelope was already in the freezer. It's been in the freezer since last June. All right? You got, I told you, you're going to have the Knicks, the Celtics, and the Lakers in the lottery. Adam Silver's going to make a statement. Maybe this is an omen. The conspiracy theorists uh, love the NBA. Right? We, the conspiracy theorists love the NBA. Conspiracy guys love the NBA. So maybe, maybe this is an omen. New York is going to get Andrew Wiggins. Because we, we do know, though, we do know Phil Jackson has never taken a job where he hasn't had a top two or top three or the top player in the league. He's never taken a job. Right. So he took this job. We'll see. Right? We'll see. So... I, I, it just don't make good sense to me. It just don't make good sense. But 
We'll see. But it's, it's going to have to see how this goes. Uh, I want to talk NFL free agency before we run out of time. Um, now the NFL is in the midst of its free agent signing period, and it's just going. It's, everything is going crazy. Um, everything is, is, is haywire. Stuff is up in the air. I'm looking on the wire right now. Uh, Jonathan Martin just got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Blaine um, Gabbert, former top ten draft pick, got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Marcus Ware has been cut. Um, looks like Julius Peppers um, has been cut. Darrell Revis may be cut at any moment. Um, the Saints are trying to trade Darren Sproles. There's a lot of good players out there on the market right now. Um, Miles Austin has been cut. Uh, the Raiders re-signed Darren McFadden. You know, uh, let me just say something for a moment. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because I mean, if you look at it, you know he has some 
really been that impactful player since what 2010, um, and his teams. Uh, so we have Island. Reuben Island has uh, had a water. Was that one? I'm trying to think of uh, uh, the guy was in when he was uh, uh, stuck on a desert island. One of uh, uh, one of them, but he's his, his yeah, island is not no longer existing. Yes, yes. So his island's no longer. So I'm thinking, you know, a team that is is uh, looking to try to get over the top and is pretty pretty close. Um, I don't know if you know if if a place like Denver could be a place where they could add some strength there if he's willing to do it. I'm not sure if they have the cap room there. Um, you know, I'm thinking, you know, San Francisco's one issue has, to me, it's felt like they need a stronger corner. Um, you know, depending on how he's willing to work his deal, that could be he's got close getting over top. Rebuildings. Uh, right. He felt like they're one. We won six teams in the league. To lower his price, and so he might sit. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and I agree with you. Um, I think I think what, what I, I like the San Francisco pick. Um, some other teams that I think would be good fits um, where they may need some some backline help. Um, I think a team like the Texans. You know, I look at the Texans a lot like you may have looked at the Chiefs last year. A team with a lot of talent. Quarterback went south, and your quarterback sucks, you suck. It's just how it goes in the NFL. Um, and I think they're in a position to make a big jump. Um, Indianapolis Colts, um, you know, they're in a division where I think, you know, having a corner like Reeves could be helpful. Um, obviously, um, in North, when you got the quarterbacks that you do there with Rodgers, uh, Stafford, Cutler, you know, if you can pick up, you know, if you can pick up a, a Revis type to, to do some shutdown work for you, um, I think that'd be that'd be advantageous. Um, so those are some teams. I know the Eagles are looking at, at possibly getting in the mix as well. I think that would be also a good pickup for them. They need to strengthen their defense. Um, I think you're right, though. The key is is Revis Island going to be open again? Because for the last couple of years, people been you know running cats off the island on, on a ferry on the back side of it. You know what I mean? It's like been, a, been some light bumps, some planes spotted over the island. Cats been getting off the island quite regularly um, the last couple of years. And that ACL, you know, I don't know if he's really fully recovered from it. He's still a pretty young guy, though. So he's still got a mm-hmm. good three to four years left in the tank. He just has to get off that uh, best player in the league money that he's demanding, um, which is one of your points. I want to bring in PhD um, and, and tell me what you think about uh, Julius Peppers um, and his prospects, and maybe a decent landing spot or two for for Peppers. Hmm. Uh, Julius Peppers is. I think he still has a lot of football left in him, at least a good year or two, and I think he looked really good in a Falcons uniform. The Falcons need help on both sides of the ball, specifically on their offensive and defensive lines. Matt Ryan got sacked the fourth most in the league. His sack total quadrupled, again, quadrupled from this past season to the season before when they went 13-3 versus this past season they went 4-12. and So they obviously need to try to protect uh, Matt Ryan more. 
But at the same time, they were on the bottom half of um, pass rushing as well. Quarterbacks had a lot of time to throw the football. So if Peppers – at this point, Peppers wants to win a Super Bowl, I'm sure. And so he's probably going to look at teams that he sees that has a uh, decent chance of being a contender. So perhaps he'll see Atlanta in that boat. If he does, I think he'd be a great fit there. Okay. I think that's a very good call right there. Um, I'll take the next guy, uh, DeMarcus Ware. Um, I think for him, and, you know, still not having a, a, a huge grasp on what kind of schemes teams will be running over the next season, I think he needs to go someplace and not have to worry about coverage so much. Um, you know, as guys get older, I think he can pass for a still with the best of them. Um, I just don't think he needs to be covering guys. So off the top of my head, I think a good team and a way to get back to Mr. Jared Jones um, would be to go to the New York Giants, um, a team that historically is built around a four-man front, a, a strong four-man pass rush. He could be a situational guy come in and give them and help them reestablish their identity up front, which I think they've lost over the last couple of years as they've let some of their uh, mainstay guys go. Um, so that may be a place, that may be a decent landing spot for, uh, for, for DeMarcus Ware. Um, another spot that, you know, could possibly make sense given where the league is going. A lot of teams are going 3-4. Um, even a spot like St. Louis, I don't know what their cap situation is like, but the St. Louis Rams, you know, they're a four-man front. They have some young guys. He could come in and be, and, and be a situational guy. If they bring in a guy like Davian Clowney in the draft, having a number two pick, DeMarcus Ware would be a great mentor for him um, to help him kind of develop and, and harness some of that talent um, that he has. I think wherever Clowney goes, he's going to need that, unfortunately. Um, he just His work ethic is in question at any time. You know, you gotta you gotta build the infrastructure around a guy like that if you're gonna take him that high because he's gonna come with expectations. Um, and if he's gonna meet those expectations, the organization has to put build the structure and the framework for him to be able to uh, grow and develop on a trajectory that's gonna allow him to to uh, be able to access all the gifts that he has. So that may be a situation that fits well for Demarcus Ware. Also, because I think uh, if, if the Rams are, if the Jaguars, or I'm sorry, if the uh, Texans take a quarterback first and the Rams are looking at either trading out of that spot, um, which, again, having a guy like Ware gives them a little depth up front. Um, they already have guys like uh, Robert Quinn and, and Chris Long, but having a vet in, in the mix as well of DeMarcus Ware's caliber could also help as long as it comes at the right price, of course. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, if they trade down or if they keep the pick and take a kid like Clowney, Again, you got somebody who you got guys who are already on the field, kind of showing. You got Demarcus Ware who can teach and also show. So I think it's it'll be a great learning environment for Clowney to develop, and they had a, a really great front um, in a division where you need a great front. When you're chasing Russell Wilson, you're chasing Colin Kaepernick, and the Cardinals, quiet as the kept, have a very nice passing game with Carson Palmer and, and Larry Fitzgerald. So there's somebody that can help them out in that division. Um, the last one I want to get to. Uh, D. Wills, I want you to take this one. Darren Sproles. Um, there, there's been a uh, since it came out that he's going to get cut. There's been a ton of demand, and so the Saints have pulled back on cutting him, and they're going to try and trade him instead. Um, what are some good spots for uh, Mr. Sproles? Wow. You know, I, I thought I thought a little bit about this, 
And um, one of the things that I thought was pretty interesting about this is, you know, people are talking about other places, but his old team had a good run. You know, um, in a division where, you know, um, you know, if they had had someone like the Sproles, and because people are talking about a lot of other options, so I thought about, you know, you, you could go home again, right? Um, and would they would they be willing? To, you know, it's a good situation. It's a quarterback that he knows how to work with. Um, and you know, could there be some in a, in, a, in a, a division where they they prove they can make some noise and they put some things together in San Diego? Um, the other the other thing is that you know, depending, again, depending on his, what, what the price tag is for him, um, I could see him being in New England um, because I think that gives Tom Brady another dimension. Um, but I just don't know in a trade scenario how much Belichick is willing to give up versus what he could probably you know leverage in a free agency kind of situation. Uh, but I think New England would be a really good place. I know they've been talking a little bit with Denver. Um, I think you know Peyton having something he could drop off to and having somebody who could take the distance along with what they could do with uh, with uh, with Ball in the backfield um, could be another option for him uh, as well. Um, but, I, again, I think he's that kind of piece that they're hoping to leverage for a team that's trying to get over the top. Um, and I think he could be, he could be that, 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 key, that key piece. Okay, yeah. I, I can see that for sure. T.A.G., uh, you got any thoughts on Diggins? I mean, not Diggins, but uh, uh, Sproles. Yeah, I think wherever he lands, if he lands in the right offense, he, he can be dangerous. And this is a guy that can um, be a game changer, literally. So I think he's still got a lot of good football left in him. Watch out if Andrew right. gets his hand on him. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. We talking Andy Reid it all over again. <laughs> oh, don't get, don't get, oh, 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 don't get, don't get the AG. I mean, don't get D. Will started. Don't get D. Will started on Andy Reid. Don't get him started on Andy Reid. All right, so we're down to the last couple minutes of the show. New segment called Last Word. This week I get the last word. It's going to rotate throughout the real sports, guys. This week is my week. And for my last word, for the game changers' last word this week, fellas, I want to talk about all of this talk about a draft, a draft limit or age limit on the NBA draft. What I wanted to bunk. Right. If you want to tell me this is a better business decision, marketing for players, I agree. If it's better for the league from a business perspective, I agree. If it's better for players already in the league that, that won't be pushed out by younger players um, who are cheaper, I agree. I agree on all those counts, and I think if that's the reason they're going towards this, I'm okay with those reasons. The one thing that I have an issue with is, are the Bob Knights and the Jay Billis and some of, these, the some of these guys out there who say that guys are better served being in college as far as basketball goes. And I, I present to you Exhibit A, all right, the amount of guys who have come into the NBA who are non-first non one-and-done. Since the one-and-done rule has been in play, all right, I'm going to start in the year 2007. I'm going to just look at the top ten guys in the draft, all right, and I'm going to give you the guys I would consider bust and what class or how, how many years they were in college, all right. Because the, the, the rationale is the longer they're in college, the more time it gives GMs to look at these guys and make good choices about who to pick. Right. That's the rationale. Right. These guys are better prepared. Okay. 
2007, the first year of the one-and-done rule. You got Greg Oden, bust. Can't call it any other way, bust. Injuries, yup, bust. All right? Next guy who's a bust, Yi Yan, Yi Jian Lian, the Chinese brother. Um, he was international, whatever. Uh, that happens quite often. He's a bust. All right, Corey Brewer, I'm going to go with bust. He's been decent, but he was the number seven pick. Um, he was a junior out of Florida. Next guy who's a bust, Brandon Wright, number eight, freshman out of Florida. So that's our, that's our second one and done so far. All right, then the next two guys, you got Joe Kim Noah, number nine, beast. Um, and Spencer Halls, number 10. Creek Service will work for a number 10 pick. Um, so I'll give Halls. I'll say you got two bus or three bus right there. Um, out of those three, you got one, one, one guy who was in for three years. Now, you go to the next draft, 2008. Guys who are bus. All right? Michael Beasley, one and done. O.J. Mayo, one and done. Right? Then you go down to Joe Alexander, junior. D.J. Augustine, junior. Right? So as we continue to go, there are tons of guys. We go to 2009. You got guys you would consider bust out of this draft. You got quite a few. All right? There are lots of guys in this draft who you consider a bust. This is a very bad draft. Um, you're talking about uh, who are we looking at? You got Blake first, Hashim to beat. All right? You know, come on. So if you're talking about giving GMs an opportunity to look at guys longer and make better choices, it doesn't matter how long they've been in. GMs are going to find guys who bust no matter what, all right? So don't give me that argument. What we need is a system that is going to allow kids to do what they need to do for themselves with flexibility and with options, point blank, period. And that's the last word for this edition of The Real Sports Guys. You listen to The Real Sports Guys, Real Sports Guys, directly. Uh, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG, Renegade Radio. We're signing off. Till next week. We'll catch you then. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. 
There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.